The following are 10 influence best practices that regard narrative. First, first in flood. Some governments and non-state actors elect to flood communication channels with messages. This blunt approach, when coupled with search engine optimization and trolling, may perhaps help to bury maligned websites and social media accounts. When multiple means of communication are combined, the goal may be to try to, quote-unquote, win the story. Be first, be overwhelming, forcing others to be reactive. Reactive narratives may well then further the reach of that initial narrative hook, that initial message core. For example, one way that Russia employs unlimited political warfare is through flooding information environments to distract and to confuse. According to the Department of State, and I quote, Russia has used the same technique of flooding the information space with many false claims following other events, such as the downing of Malaysian Airlines Flight 17, to distract conversations from their role in the events. Again, the purpose is to confuse and distract others and manipulate the truth to suit the Kremlin interests. The second is refers to a certain type of deep-seated conspiracy theory, detrologia refers here to exploiting, exacerbating, and evidencing deeply held conspiracies and wide rumors. Find conspiracy theories potentially destabilizing to the target government or society and provide further evidence through stealth. This can be accomplished on and offline. Also, push memes and ideas of the conspiracy theory back to the conspiracy theorists to further play into biases and psychoses. The following are some common themes, but certainly not exhaustive for this, this type of conspiracy theory. One is Saudad, a fiction of a once golden age to which to return. This longing to return to some golden age can even reach what Brazilians and Portuguese call Saudad. This deeply personal yearning and nostalgia may be conjured, especially in cultures that discuss and look to the past to such a degree that people actually claim to remember, not literally, a certain past era before they were even born. Then we have the stab in the back myth, refers to German conspiracy theory after the First World War that the German military did not lose. Instead, the soldiers were sold out and stabbed in the back by groups of civilians back home, such as Jewish communities and those in power that signed the armistice. Contemporary essayists use the term to describe baseless conspiracies that a political party or faction was previously successful, except for internal subversion. It has the moral right then to rise to power again. Then you have the idea of a common enemy. Governments throughout history have united warring tribes and internal divisions against real, exaggerated, oversimplified, and sometimes fictitious existential threats. Our limbic system favors simplicity, us versus them, our football team against our rivals, my political party against yours. This tribal phenomenon may reward conspiracy theories that oversimplify the world into good and evil, black and white, and governments may exploit this to unite internal divisions. Number three is Glasnost. Here I'm not speaking to the fake Glasnost campaigns. In other words, Glasnost in uh, using the word in order to conduct a disinformation or deception campaign, but instead I'm using this Russian word to reference actual surgical anti-malign influence and anti-disinformation campaigns built off of trust with civil societies. This may include a healthy, robust competition between a government and private entities to include news, news services 
educational institutes, and think tanks for checks and balances. Number four, trust building and partnership programs. Trust is earned through actions over time. It cannot be surged. Trust cannot be surged. Education exchanges, cultural exchanges, security force assistance missions, development, stabilization, and intermilitary training missions can emphasize overtly and substantially developing professional and personal relationships between participants. Through these long-term relationships and trust, both sides affecting the outlook of the other, the subconscious and the conscious, alliances can be built and strengthened. Visa programs, number five, quietly work with allies to allow, quote-unquote, fellow travelers, more on this later, influencers to gain followers or increase influence to grow their narratives and networks and potencies and potency of said narratives without that person even knowing or having knowledge of a government's actions, allowing, again, an easier access, um, if it's legal, ethical, and moral, to gain access to certain visas. Number six, trust warfare. Here I'm talking about within science and medicine. This is exacerbating existing distrust of expertise through intermediaries or stealth. Distrust of scientists, doctors, and other professionals whose ever-updating, remediating findings usually attempt, at least, to better health. The classic example exacerbating doubts about medical experts on the recommendations during COVID-19. This is not necessarily focused on exacerbating conspiracy theories, but instead actual distrust of people, of experts, whether it's founded or unfounded. As Berius said in the 1930s, he was the one-time director of the Soviet secret police. He said, produce maximum chaos in the culture of the enemy, grown in chaos, distrust, and scientific turmoil. Number seven, astroturfing. Governments, institutions, or individuals implement plans under the false premise of something that appears to be grassroots or a grassroots movement to affect wide audiences. Protagonists hide and deny their involvement. In other words, astroturfing, it involves deception narratives wrapped around false narratives that there is some kind of grassroots natural-born political or ideological campaign when in fact there wasn't. Number eight, entryism. Uh, with many English spellings in reference to a supposed uh, tr uh, Trotsky tactic, entryism refers to a person or group of people joining a rival political party, group, government, or agency in order to discreetly change that group's identity, rules, plans, or policies. It's a deception. It's deception narratives of being friendly um, and politically impotent only to slowly change their narratives over time when you make it up through the ranks, given enough time and personal trust. Number nine, inducing reckless success. Seduce an enemy or competitor driven by ego or ambition to grow their enterprises too quickly, too thinly. This is through disinformation, deception warfare, and false narratives of being victim to an adversary strategy especially those adversary strategies that have little impact on you. Artificially compel aggressive and unsustainable ex uh, expansion of your enemy. Impel the target to believe they should, can, and must grow rapidly through perceived sudden successes, perceived lack of obstacles, perceived spike in opportunities, and perceived benefits from aggressive expansion. Hurried growth can kill any business or mission when an enterprise is too successful too quickly without prudent leadership and careful planning that enterprise may suffer from substandard quality overstretched resources overworked operators low morale 
poor managerial and logistical support, and unfulfilled ego-driven promises. The enterprise subverts and sabotages itself. In short, compel an adversary to break under its own weight and its own reckless success. If, for example, a competitor attempts economic influence through massive loans, compel him to provide loans and assistance beyond any capacity for quality or repayment. No corporation, no bank, no government can enduringly and globally manage aggressively weak loans, poor oversight, or punish surges and defaults everywhere at the same time. Number 10, lastly, weaponized translation. If you or agents of influence wish to amplify narratives into countries where governments attempt to control information environments, send out your narrative into many languages that are considered, quote unquote, exotic within those target states. Some governments over-rely on almost useless auto-translation software for those national security professionals attempting to control information environments within those states. Auto-translation often fails to pick up subtleties, nuances, and ever-updating jargon, idioms, and slang. So in other words, they may miss the message when it comes into other languages and may be picked up, though, by uh, certain citizens who happen to be bilingual, trilingual, etc., And your narrative will be picked up by numerous other countries to be translated, picked up by, summarized, and reported on. Reporting on media stories abroad in other languages is a regular occurrence for mainstream and fifth estate media outlets. outlets. More on fifth estate media outlets later on. This increases the likelihood of your narrative reaching your target audiences through crevices and creases in that adversarial state. That narrative you throw out seemingly originating from many directions. Thank you.